It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, American listeners. We at the FT want to get to know you a bit better. So we're looking for some U.S.-based listeners to join a focus group to tell us what you like about FT podcasts and what you want to hear more of. You can volunteer for this by filling out a quick survey, and you can find the link for that in this episode's show notes. Thanks, everybody. Take a second and think about how you keep track of your money today. Maybe you have your bank's mobile app on your phone, or you use a stock trading app like Robinhood. Or maybe once a year an accountant helps you out with your taxes. But the FT's U.S. banking editor, Josh Franklin, says that when people are really wealthy, you know, like really wealthy, things are different. They have more needs that need to be met, more money that needs to be managed. Things like putting their money into asset management funds or helping them with their tax matters or, um, you know, just doing regular stock trading, um, inheritance planning, trust and estate planning, things like that. Now, this includes people like Alex Rodriguez, or, you know, A-Rod. The former all-star baseball player earned an estimated $400 million over the course of his decades-long career in the MLB. And since he retired in 2016, he's continued to earn a lot. He has a SPAC, a special purpose acquisition company. He's trying to become a bit of a private equity investor. So I think he has ambitions for himself in terms of what he can accomplish. And that's all to say that Alex Rodriguez, retired baseball star, investor, entrepreneur, is a very attractive potential client for banks who regularly work with wealthy people like himself. In fact, the allure of A-Rod's wealth has led to infighting at one of the world's biggest banks, J.P. Morgan. It's a battle between two separate businesses at J.P. Morgan over who gets to manage the money for certain wealthy and famous clients. And at the center of that is this financial advisor named Gwen Campbell. And she's accused her colleagues of trying to go after her clients with, with Alex Rodriguez, the, the main target. Now, this bitter conflict has included allegations of a broken contract, a restraining order, and arbitration proceedings. And it's recently spilled out into the open, showcasing the cutthroat competition for clients among divisions at a major bank. Michaela Tendera from the Financial Times. On today's episode of Behind the Money, how acquisitions can lead to internal divisions in the banking industry. Josh, welcome back to Behind the Money. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks very much. Okay, Josh, let's start with the basics here. We're talking about a conflict happening at one of the biggest banks in the world, J.P. Morgan Chase. 
And this conflict involves two of J.P. Morgan's businesses that have very similar names. So what are they and how are they different? Both businesses are involved in offering wealth management services to high net worth and ultra high net worth clients. Let's start with the bigger one. Okay, and that's called J.P. Morgan Private Bank. And that has uh, an army of about 2,700 um, private bankers who help manage the money for, for wealthy clients. Whoever the client is, they have a relationship with the private bank as a whole. You have your main banker, but you'll be dealing with many different people across the private bank. So it can be something like you have one person at, at J.P. Morgan Private Bank who's helping you uh, with your stock market portfolio and another who's more responsible for uh, your tax and estate planning and things like that. Okay, sure. And what about the other one? With J.P. Morgan Advisors, they have about 450 financial advisors, of which Glenn Campbell is one. And they're really the main person that you're dealing with. You're not so much a client of J.P. Morgan as you are a client of your financial advisor. They're doing you know, upwards of 90% of the, the face-to-face with the client. Okay. To reiterate, you have J.P. Morgan Private Bank, which is a division where one client works with a number of different people across J.P. Morgan. And then you have J.P. Morgan Advisors, where the client really only interacts with their one wealth advisor. So do these two different units ever interact with each other? So in theory, they're all colleagues. They all work for J.P. Morgan. Uh, but the relationship is very, very complicated, um, and it's been complicated for, for a long time now because you've essentially got two different business models and two different businesses at the bank doing the same thing, and at times they're pitching for the same clients um, and often um, coming up against each other trying to, trying to win that business. And it's, it's not a harmonious relationship all the time. So why is the bank organized like this? That is a very good question. And the the root reason why is that it's a result of the way the modern day JP Morgan Chase has been built. It's a, a culmination of several different mergers over many decades. And um, the JP Morgan Advisors business, that's really the old Bear Stearns um, financial advisor business that JP Morgan acquired back in 2008 during the financial crisis. And then remind us, what happened with Bear Stearns? Um, so Bear Stearns was uh, an investment bank and um, Wall Street broker that was one of the early dominoes to fall during the 2008 financial crisis. And it ended up being acquired by JP Morgan in a deal that was orchestrated by the U.S. government to bail out Bear Stearns, essentially. So it wasn't exactly a long-time planned acquisition from JP Morgan. It was a bit of a shotgun acquisition a shotgun marriage for, for J.P. Morgan and Bear Stearns. And 14 years on since, since J.P. Morgan bought Bear Stearns, they're still having teething problems with integrating this business. So that's why you have this internal competition in the, in the way that you do and that J.P. Morgan has this legacy big private bank and then this newer you know, advisor business that they acquired through the Bear Stearns acquisition and they're running up against each other. Okay. And bringing us up more to the present day, these two businesses at J.P. Morgan are now stuck in this dispute. Uh, so tell us more about Gwen Campbell. Who is she? Yes, yeah, she is a longtime financial advisor, um, featured on many you know, top 100 financial advisor lists from a number of publications. 
She has also worked at some of the biggest banks in the world. She, she worked at Goldman Sachs, UBS, and Merrill Lynch before she ended up at JP Morgan, uh, and really is, is well known for um, you know, advocating for her client, getting them the best deal that they can from, from the banks uh, that she's working for. Okay. And in 2020, she left her job at Bank of America Merrill Lynch and came over to work at J.P. Morgan in this wealth advisor's business. So this was a a really prized hire. And the reason why, or a big reason why they wanted to hire her was because of the clients that she had. Alex Rodriguez was one of her, her most prominent clients, but she also had a number of other wealthy clients. Um, and her overall book of business that she ended up bringing over to JP Morgan, when she moved from um, Merrill Lynch, was about $1.4 billion in assets and loans. Well, that all sounds swell. What does Gwen Campbell allege went wrong? So the seeds to this drama were laid even before Gwen Campbell ended up starting in October of 2020. She'd already had reservations um, and worries about JP Morgan's private bank, maybe um, you know, trying to work with her clients in a way that she wouldn't welcome. And so she'd actually raised those concerns to JP Morgan before she was hired and had a side letter to her employment contract basically stating that the approach to dealing with her clients that she also shared with the private bank would be to have a kind of status quo arrangement where the, the dynamics wouldn't change. And then shortly after she joined, she found that um, that agreement that she had in place wasn't being honored, and she's argued that the private bank has tried to solicit her clients for business. So essentially what she's saying here is that the bank didn't follow what was agreed upon in this side letter that was part of her employment contract. So what does she allege that J.P. Morgan Private Bank has done that's breached her contract? So she's alleged that the bank, the private bank, has sought to undermine her in front of her clients, badmouthed her behind her back, and also offered loans to her clients in a bid for, to, to to take more of the um, more of their assets from from Gwen Campbell at J.P. Morgan Advisors to the private bank. And in all this, Alex Rodriguez has really emerged as the main target of the private bank. And Gwen Campbell's telling of this. Uh, he seems to be the client that J.P. Morgan's private bank has most targeted and gone after. So we should add in here that according to Josh's reporting, representatives for Alex Rodriguez did not respond to requests for comment about these events. Okay, and what's Gwen Campbell been doing about all of this? So it's uh, this kind of spilled out into the public in December of last year, so almost 12 months ago when Gwen Campbell took the first of what's now been several actions against J.P. Morgan. So she actually filed a for a restraining order in California court against J.P. Morgan, um, asking a judge to put in place the restraining order so that the bank would not um, interact with any of her clients. This request was ultimately rejected by, by the California court, but through that there was court filings um, that really did outline a lot of Gwen Campbell's complaints and grievances. Okay, And then what's happening now with all of this? The main one that's still ongoing is the arbitration proceedings. Proceedings seeking financial damages for breach of contract by J.P. Morgan, um, which will be used to decide whether or not J.P. Morgan needs to pay financial damages to Gwen Campbell uh, for breach of contract. 
And the contract that Gwen Campbell is claiming the bank breached is this agreement that she had when she joined JP Morgan that the bank would not try to change the relationship that she already had with her clients. And all the while, she's still a JP Morgan employee working for the bank in San Francisco. Wow. So we should probably point out that something sort of similar happened at JP Morgan just earlier this year. Uh, can you tell us what happened there? There was a, another dispute that didn't involve Gwen Campbell um, about which part of the bank, whether or not JP Morgan Private Bank or JP Morgan Advisors, should manage um, the money for a client who had recently inherited a very significant fortune, hundreds of millions of dollars from a relative. And there was, again, another turf war between the two sides. And I was told it got pretty ugly. And in the end, Jamie Dimon, the, the CEO of JP Morgan Chase, ended up intervening personally and said to both sides, look, we don't have the market share for these kinds of turf wars, figure it out. And in the end, in that case, it was left up to the client to decide which part of the bank they wanted to work with. So then why isn't Jamie Dimon intervening here to resolve this issue? It's an excellent question. I can really only speculate, but in this case, I would suspect what's complicating matters is the um, ongoing litigation and arbitration proceedings in Gwen Campbell's case, which make things more complicated for someone like Jamie Dimon to get involved. Is this having any sort of impact on J.P. Morgan's business, uh, financially speaking? What's interesting about both of these business, J.P. Morgan Private Bank and J.P. Morgan Advisors, they're both so-called growth initiatives for J.P. Morgan. Jamie Dimon and J.P. Morgan executives publicly have talked a lot about how much they want to grow in these areas. So J.P. Morgan Advisors, um, they have about 450 financial advisors right now. They've talked publicly about more than doubling that in the next few years. The private bank as well is trying to hire uh, many private bankers to uh, to attract new assets, it, it expand in other parts of the United States. So they're both growth areas. So, it, but it's not a great advert for the the dynamic of the business when when you've got this hanging over. Okay, well, we should say here that a J.P. Morgan spokeswoman provided a statement to the FT that said that the bank has been putting significant focus and investments into J.P. Morgan Advisors. That's Gwen Campbell's part of the firm. The statement went on to say that they've put in place rules that, quote, allow us to bring clients the expertise they need while ensuring that they and our financial professionals are treated fairly, end quote. So, Josh, what do you think this sort of conflict says about the banking industry? I mean, you know, as we discussed, the history of this J.P. Morgan Advisors is that it was an acquisition from Bear Stearns after the financial crisis. It shows how difficult it is to manage these enormous institutions. JP Morgan is you know, the biggest US bank by assets. Um, so be the, the kind of toughest case, but it really does show since the, the, the 2008 financial crisis, the biggest US banks have only gotten bigger in terms of assets um, and um, in terms of operations as they've gone into more and more activities. So they're just very, very hard to manage. And why is it so hard to do? With Almost any acquisition, one of the biggest hurdles to clear is whether or not there's a cultural fit between uh, the two businesses. So there's such strong cultural attachment to these places, to the brands that they come from. Uh, so even at, at Bank of America, there was such strong attachment from the, to, to the Merrill Lynch brand, to the people who, who, who had kind of grown up in that business. Uh, and that's been a kind of rocky thing as, as Bank of America has kind of you know, pushed to one side the Merrill Lynch branch and focused more on Bank of America. 
And what's next for Gwen Campbell and her fight? We'll see whether or not we make it all the way to arbitration proceedings in July of next year, uh, or if the bank wants to just pay some money to, to try to make this go away, if that's possible. As we reported, Gwen Campbell did write a letter to J.P. Morgan's board of directors in April, uh, which we saw a copy of. And she said to the board that continued litigation was not her preference and that she wanted to have what she saw as the terms of her employment contract honored. But she said that if that was not possible, there was the option to part ways and to resolve the matter in a way that for her money reflected the value of the billion dollar book that she brought with her to to JP Morgan when she joined. Well, Josh, thank you so much for being on the show again. Uh, No, it was an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much for having me on. Behind the Money is hosted by me, Michaela Tendera. Safia Ehmud is our producer. This episode was edited by John Buckley. Topher Forges is our executive producer. Sound design and mixing by Sam Giovinco. Cheryl Brumley is the global head of audio. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.